Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of the Artcast, your fortnightly arts review podcast brought to you by Vicky Krasmaska. Hi. Um, Laura Leonard and Kaz Murray. Hello. So this week we're talking about the Klimt Sheila exhibition at the Royal Academy London. But just to kind of kick off the show, what have you guys been up to the last couple of weeks? Anything creative that you need to report back to our arts-based listeners? Yes, well, first of all, I want to say that I actually have started knitting again, which Hooray! is excellent. Um, but it's I, seasonal, you see. It is seasonal, it is the season, but um, I can't possibly disclose what I'm knitting because it's for a certain... Is it for me? No, it's for your daughter. Oh. <laughs> for a birthday present. Oh. So strict non-disclosure there. I don't know if you remember, but I ordered a scarf a few years ago. Can I order oh. one too, please? <laughs> There's a backlog. Right. Okay. <laughs> you better start knitting faster. Right. You keep knitting for my husband and daughter, but never for me. Are you true? No, I have made you something. You, you embroidered for our wedding. That's true. Yeah, and I, I don't mean to sound ungrateful because I do like that. <laughs> I love it so anyway. much, I love a scarf. But my actual creative thing this week is we're having some work done on the flat that we live in. So me and my boyfriend had to empty our back bedroom and bathroom and neatly pile it all up in our spare room, which turned out to be kind of a game of Tetris, but in 3D and turned into quite an installation of how do I cram all my into the spare room. And I think is a kind of commentary on... Modern living in small spaces. Yeah, and also like materialism and why do I have so much stuff? I'll probably just move it back and then complain about it when I next move house. So (laughs) it's all about learning. Well, that sounds enriching. You've got some new space to play with there. That's true. That's very true. Mm -hmm. And Vicky, what have you been up to? I've been doing a lot of learning. I've been doing a lot of learning about my bodily limits. Um, Very Sheila of you. It was quite Sheila of me, actually. (laughs) I was on a yoga retreat last week. So um, I was contorting myself into... Not quite Sheila-esque positions. Yeah. Close. Namaste. But I feel namaste. like I want to test you to, test you on it. I mean, actually, you did promise us a headstand. I can't do a headstand. <laughs> I really <laughs> still can't do a Vicky, headstand. what were you doing for three weeks in Costa Rica if you weren't learning your headstand? Sorry, guys. <laughs> so, I'm going to do the two-minute intro this week. Take volunteer away, for that one. Yeah. Okay. The Klimt Sheila exhibition at the Royal Academy London brings together rare and fragile works on paper by artists Gustav Klimt and Egon Sheila. In this, the centenary year of both artists' deaths, Klimt and Sheila were both working in and around Vienna in the early 20th century. The more established, older, modernist painter Klimt was 28 years senior to Sheila and was an integral supporter of and mentor to the highly provocative younger artist. Gustav Klimt was a symbolist painter of allegories, portraits and landscapes and a founding member of the Vienna Succession. Unlike other modernist movements, the Vienna Succession stated that it had no manifesto and said it was an organisation aimed to provide exhibition opportunities for unconventional artists. Klimt is known for his erotic nudes and his highly decorative works that feature both the drastic foreshortening of Japanese woodblocks and the gilded surface pattern of Byzantine mosaics. Klimt was highly successful in his own lifetime, but his progressive artwork and lifestyle choices were not without the controversy. His 1900 paintings for the ceiling of the Great Hall of the University of Vienna were denounced as pornographic, and he actually fathered at least 14 illegitimate children during his lifetime. Egon Schiller was an early exponent of expressionism and is widely known for the raw and provocative sexuality of his artworks. He was briefly imprisoned in 1912, accused of abducting and seducing a minor, but only actually charged with exhibiting erotic drawings. And at the time, around 100 of his artworks were seized and destroyed due to their explicit content. Arguably, Sheila's controversial works have maintained their shock factor even 100 years on. Only last year, TfL censored images of his works that were due to adorn the tube platforms in London. The posters were going to advertise an exhibition in Vienna, but for reasons of public decency, huge portions of the works were censored out. And it's also worth noting that the 
RA exhibition this year comes with its own adult content warning. Sheila's personal biography is also not without its controversy. He caused scandal within bourgeois Viennese society by living openly with his unmarried model muse and lover, Wally Neusel. And his 1981 biographer, Frank Whitford, has suggested that his close teenage relationship with his younger sister, Gertie, was in fact incestuous. The Royal Academy exhibition includes sketches for Klimt's seminal Beethoven frieze and self-portraits of Sheila that are not likely to be exhibited again for many years due to their highly delicate state. So guys, what were your first impressions? I think from my perspective, the thing that is great with both artists is that they never get old. I feel like you can still see Sheila works day in, day out, and you'll still be quite mm, taken aback by them. them. And I think the other thing is that the beauty and the fluidity of the Klimt works, again, is sort of transcendent regardless of how often you see it. So I think the thing for me is being familiar with both artists, I'm still always amazed by them. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And well, you were point. saying in particular, well, you knew Klimt before you went in. Yeah, so I knew Klimt. I didn't know Sheila. I would like, Laura likes it, so I'll go and have a look. <laughs> I'll give it a whirl. It, give it a whirl. It's also um, in the same space. You kind of got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, You'll be like, I've just come for Klimt. I'm not going to look at the Sheila. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I kind of went for Klimt. And I must admit, confession, I didn't really read much about the exhibition. So when I walked in with um, our friend Olivia, we like walked in and Olivia instantly said, where are the paintings? And then we kind of looked around and I was expecting it would be Klimt's kind of golden paintings. Those are the ones I've seen. And then like, oh, it's drawings. Okay. (laughs) And it did take me a bit of time to warm up to it. But I think by the time I kind of worked my way around and got to Sheila, I was kind of completely gripped. So I kind of went for Klimt. And I stayed for Sheila, really. And I'm so delighted that you loved it, because I was a little bit worried, because obviously you chose the Annie Albers, and then I was like, oh, I just don't she likes the <laughs> I know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> My initial reaction, I, just, I absolutely loved being with the works. I just relished being in the space with them. Um, and I think that's partly due to the fact that, well, kind of Sheila in particular, his stylistic choices. I really love expressionism as a movement. And um, I find his works just kind of, buzz with such a vitality and intensity and that really I really enjoy that and it's partly to do with his kind of methods so there was a couple of nudes in one of the rooms where you could really see that he'd like inscribed those the lines and the angles of the form into the paper and then he'd like kind of added this flurry of vivid white paint around the edge of the forums yeah and it was like really expressive and and created yeah a real aura or it kind of looked like there was a light shining from these figures and it kind of gave them a complete life force like a real presence and energy that I find really exciting so I love that but also the fact that drawing isn't usually in the tradition of art history seen as a finished artwork or watercolor sketches which some of them are as well they're usually seen as a preliminary stage on the journey to creating a massive oil painting or a sculpture and so to see them in their own right is quite exciting, but also I think gets you a little bit closer to the artist in somehow because it's more you're seeing their instinctual works. They're not reworking these things. It's yeah. just like, but it, they mean different things for different artists. So I mean, for, for Klimt, the drawings were always his sketches. They are preliminary for him. Whereas for Sheila, they are the finished work. And I think yeah. that distinction between the way that we view both the artworks, the bodies of art within mm. this exhibition. Is quite interesting because I don't know that the 
the RA doesn't necessarily, it gives a hint of that. Mm. But as we were talking, we don't really get to see the finished clipped pieces. Yeah, so they were very excited that yeah. they had the sketches for the Beethoven Freeze, and yet you don't see the Beethoven mm. Freeze. I mean, even a reproduction of it would have been helpful, I think. Yeah, so that you understand what the final piece looks like yeah. in the context of, and how it fits of in. these yeah. drawings within also, that. You can get quite a lot from his sketches, I think you can get quite a lot from, and I really liked the difference between their drawing styles. So, like, mm. you described Sheila being like really inscribing it. it being really bold whereas Clint it's like I mean some of the sketches are so light you have to really kind of get up close to look to sort of yeah. see the outline yeah They're quite organic and delicate and, and flowy yeah and I think that's the an embodiment of his style oh, and also the way I think all, everything about Klimt is ethereal allegorical philosophical philosophical yeah it's universal like, themes. so not grounded re- in reality mm. whereas you look at Sheila and there is no getting away from reality <laughs> although yeah. there was that one work of the well we were debating whether it was a pregnant woman I thought it was maybe an aging woman with a bit of a gut you thought it was a pregnant <laughs> oh, woman no, the old woman the old yeah, woman yeah I thought yeah, she was yeah. An, yeah an aging woman but um the, <laughs> the the way that he had like shown her figure was incredible and that actually showed quite yeah. a lot of variation in his, in his use of line this and it's climped by the way guys climped sorry yeah and a complete confidence in that use of line as well mm. because it was a blue pencil so, and there was mm. absolutely no reworking yeah. there was no rubbing out there was and yeah. it was perfect first was time no I was like how was like he done that going up in an odd angle like oh gosh yeah. I've got the proportion all wrong here yeah, it's exactly. almost like doing an outline and she was a very real like female mm. form it was quite incredible um, but I was just going to say on the back of the the Sheila's being finished works they were and it was sort of partly by accident really wasn't it because he couldn't afford the materials for oil paintings yeah yeah I mean but I guess also he died at the age of 28 and yet Mm. he's left such an enormous body of work he was so prolific in his creation of art that actually I feel like drawing suited his needs yeah to some extent like he needed to create on a a much quicker scale intensity to everything he does exactly live fast die young there's no way that painting on an ongoing basis would have suited what he needed to get across because yeah. just, it just would have taken too long. Just didn't have the time. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> he, he was in a hurry. <laughs> One of the things we found really interesting about the exhibition was the representation of the female form and for a number of reasons. So, Kaz, do you want to... Yeah, well, I suppose, like, I think quite quickly I found it very refreshing that both Clint and Sheila just showed such a variety of form, of pose, women of different shapes... Mm. They're not necessarily idealised or smooth or perfect, but it's like... Certainly not the Sheila ones. Certainly not the Sheila ones, definitely. Yeah. But even Klimt as well, with, with his like yeah. you know, style being more flowy, there was like they, knobbly they bits. Have. And like, <laughs> but I, just, I re- really, really like that because I think maybe kind of contemporary society, I'm just very used to seeing... An airbrushing society. Yeah, like just very idealised bodies that look very different. So it was kind of really refreshing. And women of different ages, like as you mm. mentioned, Klimt did a study three pictures of women at different stages of life and again just showing that diversity Mm. admittedly they are drawing western women so there is some limits to that but I just found that really kind of quite affirming actually I don't think the way in which either of the artists actually portrays women the way that I would necessarily want women to be portrayed Mm -hmm. on the one hand Klimt and the idealization and the sort of allegorical references the sort of unhumane almost idealized way that he perceives women to be and puts them on a little bit of a plinth for me is unrealistic just 
not really reflective of the way that I think women, women aren't people. Yeah, they're just yeah. kind of beautiful things to be looked at. I represent wisdom. And and yeah. I you know I find his portraits of sort of society women quite challenging. In as far as he went around and made a load of money painting very beautiful women in the fashions of the day, demonstrating how wealthy they are. And the other element for me was the Sheila works, which are very jarring and represent, in my mind, women very much of a lower working class. Mm. Prostitutes usually, very a kind power of stages. different power stages who are driven out of need and necessity to be naked and painted and displaying themselves in this way. And it's not that they only display themselves in this way for Sheila as an artist. They display themselves in this way on a daily as a basis as a profession. You know, they had photographs taken of themselves in these not dissimilar poses as calling cards in the same way, you know, mm. cards in, in, phone boxes. in phone boxes. It was exactly the same. Neither of these perceptions of women stack up for me. I see the value in the work that's been created, absolutely. But do I think they do the right thing by women? No, I don't. Yeah, there's definitely lots in it that I'm like, okay, I don't agree with that. And also by I'm judging it by sort of contemporary standards, whereas that obviously was a different historical period. And that's not to say that that was okay or that was right, but it's also realising that it was a different, different time. Because there was one particular piece that was probably, again, a prostitute drawn by Sheila, and it's quite clear that the girl is very young. And I think in the yeah. bio they said she was probably about 14, and it does, like... the her face and her eyes particularly, you can tell she looks young, but she's doing this very, kind of very adult, she's naked, seductive pose, but it's very performative, and that felt very uncomfortable. She doesn't seem to really understand. There's no conviction behind her eyes in the pose that she's pulling. She doesn't really seem to understand. Yeah. It's like she's trying on her mum's shoes, and she doesn't quite, you know, she's trying an adult pose out. She Definitely. thinks that she needs to be sexy, but it's not quite working. Yeah, and I, but I do, what I do like about that piece, and why it stuck with me is like Sheila portrays that because also you know at the time she was in a situation where maybe that was she had to I mean the age of consent in Vienna at the time was 14 so she was Mm, she was she could have been it could have been legal she was a working a legal working prostitute but I think the way that she confronts the viewer is quite different to how the women do with so much more force and so much more confrontation but I also think what's interesting about Sheila is that he paints himself in the same situation as his models and I agree with you Becky it's not necessarily how I would want women to be portrayed but I think it's for me he kind of speaks about a kind of a rawness in humanity or a kind of the hypocrisies of humanity rather than just it's societal it's a it's a comment on the way that's viennese society operated and And i think i mean it's quite rare for an artist to paint themselves completely naked as an object as well he sorry he's not flattering in his paintings he's not oh i think he's quite handsome oh okay (laughs) or himself johnny take note So another element of the representation of women that was really interesting was the showcasing of female sexuality as well. Yes, yeah. And that's one of the things that was, I think, so scandalous about both of their works, actually, still at the time. Is. And I think, still I is. think it's still is. Yeah, I mean, it's censored on two yeah. platforms. It's still um, censored sometimes in my mind. I'm yeah. like, oh, that's a lot to take in. <laughs> You're like, it's too much for me. <laughs> imagine you walking around with bright red cheeks. Yeah, like, 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 oh, like look. Yeah. <laughs> I am an old prude, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the image, I think, that was really sticks out in my mind in, on this kind of subject is that image of Klimt's with the female masturbation yes which was incredible yeah 
I mean, like, like even now, really surprising. Yeah. Quite surprising to see in the Royal Academy. You know, most of the people who were visiting that exhibition on the day we were there were kind of elderly. Of an age. Exactly. And you know, I was a little bit embarrassed to be looking at it next to them. Yeah, yeah. no, me too. Yeah. The final room has like lots of different drawings of couples, women masturbating, and I remember like reading the blurb and then looking at three pictures of Klimt where it was like studies for a female nude and I was like oh Klimt bit tame like is mm. this erotic and then right next to it is this image of a woman masturbating and she's like lifting her leg up so it's kind of very there yeah I mean it's a crotch shot it's, it's right up shot. there and I was just like oh I eat my words Klimt and I was really yeah. surprised because again what I know from him is like the kiss and some of his more famous works gilding, yeah. very wistful and I'm like mm, okay yeah look side to you which is yeah, and it, it's an amazing image. Like the woman um, yeah. who is masturbating. I don't know why I said, I said that. The woman who is masturbating. <laughs> I even feel awkward talking about it. But... Laura's blushing. <laughs> um, good thing this is a podcast. <laughs> but it's a really beautiful image because. I, well, I think it is because yeah. of the way that he's portrayed it. I love the fact that her hair sort of cascades around her, and then that kind of flows into the drapery that she's lying on and that continues mm. sort of a flow mm. like behind her body and it really gives you this idea of a wave it's like a yeah. river and so I mean essentially I mean I feel like he was kind of sort of trying to show a female orgasm it seemed like a wave of pleasure like which a wave incredible of, yeah which is so progressive and also for now I think yeah and I love the fact as well that she's got her eyes closed she's in her own space like she's it looks like she's very much involved in herself and, you know, it's, it doesn't look like it's acted out for anyone else. Which is also quite like Klimt. Like, he does sort of, a lot of his paintings and drawings are, like, people in their own world. So it's almost like they're not necessarily directly engaging with the viewer. They're off on, a, like, another plane. Yeah. Know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Whereas with Schuler, like, his, I think as Vicky said, his a lot of his drawings, and particularly in that final room, it's, like, all up in your face. Like, mm. not only are the poses very provocative. There was one which was, like, a female nude, another crotch shot. Mm. But, like, you know, the... She's looking directly at you. Like her pose is very kind of confrontative. And the way he uses colour as well. So he uses flashes of red to denote areas of sensual and sexuality. And so red lips, red nipples. I think the immediacy of the sexuality with Sheila's work can be quite unsettling because of the way that he uses colour. It's harsh outlines, very thick black line, dashes of like bright red drawing your eye to what answer is the key points that you should be looking at <laughs> yeah. there is just this very confrontational nature of the sexuality of his work there was one sketch of Sheila's which was a couple having sex and it is like raw and animal and you kind of can't really tell where one starts and one ends yeah. it's like fusing of people and it's mm. messy and it's not it is messy and gritty and confrontational yeah, exactly. and completely and unapologetic. Yeah, exactly. Um, kind of... But it sort of instills the subjects with a real confidence, mm. which is quite enthralling and quite refreshing because you're used to kind of seeing female nudes that are so passive exactly. and narrative. I suppose like a lot of people say, oh, it's lots of female nudes. Is that kind of sexist? I, mm. That wasn't my initial response. But then you had some really interesting points about what? biography that potentially yeah. starts to I was a bit nervous. I mean, as much as I love Sheila and I've mm. been desperate to go to this well, exhibition. Well, this is the benefit, Laura, of not reading anything beforehand. <laughs> Don't have any historical baggage. <laughs> <laughs> I was a bit nervous because when I initially discovered Sheila when I was only about 21 and I wasn't really questioning you know the the abundance of female news in art history in the same way that I would now 
And um, I was a bit worried that going, you know, with my woke eyes, I now have, that I would be slightly more critical of him or less adoring mm. of him. Um, and there are elements of his biography that are really problematic. Like I mentioned in the introduction, there is a biographer, uh, Frank Whitford, who accuses him of having an incestuous relationship with his younger sister, who was 12 years old at the time and Sheila was 16. And apparently Sheila took her for an overnight stay in Trist in a hotel together, just the two of them. And the reason he chose Trist apparently was because that's where his parents had honeymooned. So it had kind of romantic kind of deflowering connotations. He also connotations. painted her, right? And yeah, in true. quite... Did he? Explicit. I didn't know that. Yeah, I think... She was one of his first models. Mm. And didn't you say that so Sheila's father had like spotted this and was trying to keep them yeah. separate, but then Sheila's father died when he was quite young? Yeah, his father died when he was 15, and um, of syphilis, actually. And so he had serious mental health issues in the last years of his life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, right. Sheila grew up in a very kind of tempestuous family setting. And after his father died, their kind of social status or, or their wealth really plummeted. So he had quite a lot to grapple with as he was growing up. And he's kind of seen always as this tortured soul or this scandalous, like, well, figure. he was also arrested um, yeah. for, well, he was accused of abducting a 14-year-old girl and was arrested for that. And then he also had a relationship, a live-in girlfriend, which I guess at the time was not yeah. the done thing. And that's interesting because I think possibly the most scandalous thing about that, that he lived with his model muse, Wally, um, and she was like a lower working class woman um, of a similar age to him. And what people found so scandalous at the time and why they got run out of like various towns when they were living together is the fact that they were living together. Like, yeah. It was perfectly acceptable for a, a middle class or a lower middle class gentleman like Sheila to sleep with women outside of wedlock. Exactly. But it wasn't to be talked about. It was to be behind closed doors. But for him to actually kind of commit to a relationship, that was the scandalous thing, which is interesting. But the obviously the accusations of abducting and seducing minors are difficult. And the, the exhibition really took its stance on this. I think they said something like he'd offered her shelter when she'd run away yeah. from home. Yeah, it's and quite a different spin on it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of it. I, I mean, I, mean I think generally historians now accept that there was nothing untoward that actually happened in that situation because the historical evidence suggests that they took her to her grandmother her And Wally Vienna, was there the whole time. And Wally was there well. the whole time. But I suppose the reason why we bring this up is because you, in our very first episode, we talked about Nanette and Hannah Gatsby mm. and that kind of whole separation of art. And the biography of Picasso artists. when he's then painting yeah. nudes and how he like thinks about those they, female your, forms. Your might be a bit problematic. I know, it's, an, it's a thorny issue. Yeah. And I, I've been thinking about it a lot. And I mean, obviously, it's after sort of Roland Barthes and the death of the author and the kind of postmodern idea is that an artwork is a separate entity to an artist and that you shouldn't just glean meaning from an artist's intention it's all the meaning comes from the viewer and their experience of the artwork and that kind of enables us in this day and age to say his biography might be problematic but I still love his work but is that okay I'm not sure that is okay because when somewhere like the Royal Academy puts on this like star-studded exhibition of Sheila's work it's not only his work in the limelight it's also his name and like to a whole generation of young women who are going to see those artworks if we're putting his name up in lights and not questioning or not talking about the things that we find difficult in his biography that's not okay so that's what I found really interesting because as a feminist I was really excited by his work because I felt like it was women in all their different forms and kind of depth and layering and then you told me that and I was like oh my god okay that's really 
that's an interesting reflection it's on me. It's a bit jarring. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, how do I reconcile that? And with... I think it's it's really interesting that Clint, I think he becomes famous and goes off and lives in the suburbs and is able to just get on with what he likes very quietly. So he very fathers... class. I mean, no one seems to know how many children he's actually fathered. Like, every, every source I found also was like, quite middle class. at least 14 <laughs> illegitimate children, at least. So no one knows yeah. the, quite, the right number. And he was just busy, you know, Banging out the children in the suburbs, <laughs> and it's always he's the part every now. Yeah, yeah. and he didn't. He got away with it. There was no scandal surrounding him. Whereas, whereas Sheila was flaunting not, the scandal. Was flaunting the scandal. Also, not banging out the children because he couldn't afford it. Yeah, and instead <laughs> banging out the art. Yeah. so he had to have a piece. You know, he had to have a style that meant that he could produce stuff quickly, sell quickly. So that you can put some bread on the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, needs must. Needs must. <laughs> Just like to loop it back to that whole thing of like art versus artist and mm. kind of where do you guys sit on that? Like given this sort of discussion that we've just had. I still really respond to the Sheila. I still really love them. Mm. I think it's just important that we're talking about the problematic elements Definitely. as well. And that that. Like I said, I feel like the the RA should have made more of a point Definitely, of that. Definitely, I really b- agree with that. I feel like the Tate in the 1932 exhibition of Picasso should have made more of the, the problematics of the relationship that he was having with Mary Therese, yeah. who was only 17 years old, and they just refrained from mentioning it. And yeah. like, I feel like we're at a time now where we, we just need more and transparency. Just to step into the Royal Academy's defence, I think they were much more transparent on a scale of transparency than the table was. Just to like progress. Yeah. Progress guys. I feel yeah. like I feel like they gave more context. They made very clear that Sheila used prostitutes, that mm. you know, he had quite a difficult relationship in as far as he had this relationship with Wally and then mm. started up a completely separate relationship almost when he needed to be respectable because he'd lost a few dealers from being in yeah, prison. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. He was like, Oh I, I get a be- better get a middle class wife. Yeah, so he's he then married mm. yeah, married Edith and you know this sort of transformation of his personal life, mm. I think they were quite... Yeah, the one thing they really missed, though, as well, was um, his relationship with Gertie. They didn't yeah, really they didn't mention Gertie. And there was portraits of Gertie in the exhibition. Yeah. And I remember saying to Kaz at the time, like, so he apparently had an incestuous relationship with this yeah. woman. And she was like, what? Like, in reading oh, the text, she's like, it's not in there. It's not in the historical context. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think I, I wholly agree with your summation. Because also, if you present the viewer with all the facts, then they can... Yeah, decide what to yeah. do with it and, or facts and, and know, I'm just kind of imagining my daughter going into a gallery and I'm thinking I don't want her to I like the Annie Albers like, as much as I didn't really respond to the artworks I loved what the Tate were doing there in terms of putting a female yeah. in that position of power being the name in lights alongside the works and I really want Aurelie to be able to go to exhibitions where she sees women in that light as well as being or instead of just being yeah. naked figures on the page that are nameless that may be representing philosophy or medicine or whatever else Killant's nudes were Background. representing yeah it's, mm. it's about the multiplicity of voices definitely so last week we talked about art versus craft mm-hmm. this week we've stepped it up a we've bit we've got an x-rated <laughs> <laughs> yeah do we need a parental warning we probably do. So We've art- sworn in this one as well. That's true. Johnny's going to have to get his beeper out. His beeper out again. Well, both artists caused scandal in different ways, and particularly Sheila, a lot of his work was sort of labelled as pornographic, which was really interesting, and some of it was mm, actually... Glimpse was too. Oh, that, was it? Yeah, yeah the paintings uh, for the University of Vienna. Yeah, exactly, which is that really interesting thing of, like, when does society class something as artistic, and when does society say that's pornographic, which is usually a pejorative 
it's indecent, it's smutty, it shouldn't be in the public space. Hmm. Really interesting. Well, first of all, did it feel like pornography to you guys? No, that's not, no, I don't think but so. Then not I think instantly. We're of a different time. Desensitised to. I mean, it's YouTube, all that porn yeah. I've been watching. Oh, <laughs> well, no, it's not <laughs> even. But I just think, cheese. you know, if, just even like walking <laughs> down. <laughs> <laughs> even just like walking down the street where you know just think about how much in terms of attire we wear on a daily basis in comparison to mm. you know flesh shown in those days but what I do think about the Sheila is there is that rawness and the directness mm. of the way that he renders people it's almost unflattering way that sort of like hair and poses, chic sort yeah. of the poses the way he's the mottled skin that kind of unhealthiness of some of the subjects that he paints. Like, they're all gaunt and angular and harsh lines, flashes of red. That is striking. Well, they're still completely exposing, aren't they? Yeah. Like, even probably more exposing, arguably, than some pornography that we kind of have nowadays. It's the realness is, Because it. it's real. It's so yeah. real. And it's ugly and it's gritty and it's animalistic. Whereas, um, I mean... I don't know, I don't watch a lot of porn, just a disclaimer in there, but my impression of it is that it's all quite, you know, like the, the fashion for waxing hair, for instance, it's all very clean and, and like cartoonish. And sculpted and yeah. posed and orchestrated yeah. and carefully directed. I suppose also as well what's interesting where it doesn't necessarily match up to modern day standards of porn is that porn is mainly heteronormative male gaze in the sense that so in that final room um, at the RA exhibit, it also had sort of drawings of two men having sex, uh, two women as well, which again, that might have been really shocking at the time, but also mm. that doesn't actually necessarily fit. But it's also a, again, that exploration of sexuality yeah. was something that was happening Massively. in Vienna at the time. Yeah, it was going through a huge change from a very kind of like buttoned up bourgeoisie, uh, sort of sexually repressed society. And then Freud comes in publishes like interpretation of dreams and then is like actually we're all kind of controlled by this un our unconscious deep-seated sexual desires and that a lot of our like neuroses and problems came from suppressing these kind of inner desires and not letting them out basically and I think also it's interesting in that label of it's pornographic is almost like a litmus test of like have I pushed something to the borders of what is like socially acceptable, acceptable yeah. and convention mm. and is that almost like a way of saying oh okay this is what's taboo mm. in this current kind of society that we live in yeah and I would argue topics like female masturbation is still yeah. shocking shocking I yeah. mean Laura's blushing all over the shop but also <laughs> yeah it's not necessarily actively talked about female desire as well I think is still there's like a lot of work to go on that so that's again where it's interesting that she was so advanced mm. So, guys, if you could take home one picture, what would it be? So, I actually did take home. You stole a... it, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> you took it in the bag. I took a copy of it. I took a copy of it, a print of it. But I absolutely loved Sheila's self-portrait of himself from behind. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, because of what we were saying earlier about the fact that he, like, it's so rare for an artist to kind of present themselves in that light, particularly a male artist, and the fact that he showed himself from behind it turns him completely into an object like he's the complete object of my gaze or the you know the viewer's mm. gaze and I felt that was, was so progressive and, and quite exciting and also I, I just I like 
the lines and the symmetry of it. Right. And he's got his yeah. white halo, which I loved as well. And I actually am going to put it up in my bathroom because I also have a couple of other female nudes in the bathroom. <laughs> Which are kind of, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So that it's like not just about the female form; it's kind of the the addition of the male. Speaking of the our gaze, and I and I think what's nice about that work is that in that painting, he's making in making himself the subject. Yeah, he's kind of reminding you that you also have a sense of you're also part of this. You're not yeah, just you're like complicit. you're complicit you're in this active, whole yeah. like process, and it's just not my view. You're also standing yeah because here. you're buying into looking exactly. at my artworks. Yeah, so I that for me, and I he's think he's very smart. Well. Yeah, Vicky, what would you take? I would take home one of the she learned one of the ladies, but probably one of the tamer ladies. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Maybe not a full frontal lady. Okay, okay, a kind of partially draped lady. Yeah, mm. that's the old prude in me. So I think I would take one of the naked ladies. So I think we talked about it earlier, but um, it's the woman, it's well, I think it's called female nude, but it's the sort of woman who's looking directly at you. She's kind of got that white outline. Oh, I yeah. bought it as a postcard as well. It's currently mm-hmm. on display in my living room. I've not consulted Sandy about that. I've just put mm-hmm. it up. Um, but I really liked it because it's this woman, the way I saw it, has such sass and kind of strength in how she's looking back at you. And it's a very challenging kind of, and what, sort of, you're looking at me and almost that I'm kind looking of, right back and at I'm you. looking right back at you and the sort of power of putting the viewer on the back foot so I quite like that and it's also the colours in it are just amazing mm. so that's mine okay and um, but our bonus question this week yeah. is which of the artists would you rather be painted by <laughs> anyone Any okay I'm, I'm gonna go in so I actually think I would be painted by Sheila oh my goodness you're brave I thought really? we would all say yeah. Klimt really yeah no, I'm definitely going for Klimt oh, I, want no. to, yeah. I want to represent a I'm, universal theme yeah I want to yeah, look beautiful in life I want to be grandiose yeah <laughs> No, I think I would. Transcendental. I mean, not all of Sheila's drawings are like some. Some people are clothed in it, so maybe I'd kind of. Go, but you wouldn't be able to hide anything, even if you. Yeah, were it's but even I think that's what I really like that about it. Like There's no hiding. There's just something about the rawness of it. I think it would be a really interesting experience, and I'd be interested mm. to see how he presents me. I really admire you for that. Yeah, yeah. I'm it's putting great. my money where my mouth is. I was just always meant to be gilded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, destined for gilding. <laughs> Um, Vicky, which one? I'm going to go with the gilding too. Yeah. Yeah. And a few strategically placed flowers, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now on to our art news section. So the story we're talking about this week is in regards to art repatriation. It's topical in particular because it's two of Klimt's works that have been returned to the wrong families. So Roses Under Trees from 1905 that was taken from the Zuckerhandel family by the Nazis and was apparently confused with Appletree II from 1916, which belonged to the leader of family. The two were mixed up and, and sent back to the wrong family by the Austrian authorities. And I think really just points to, A, how tricky this is mm. in terms of the provenance of these works not always being complete and also not necessarily understanding which work was owned by whom, but also the fact that these things are still going on, yeah, the, the matters are still ongoing, and um, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done to resolve you know, family losses. Yeah. It does seem like an extraordinary amount of time to have spent 
that's been taken. But it's changed hands so much. When yeah. I was reading that article, I couldn't, I was struggling to keep up with it in, within the article because mm. it was like, taken from this family, family, it was then bequeathed to this person, mm-hmm. who then sold it to this person, and then and sold it, ends it to up, that person. But it also ends up in art institutions, and then exactly. yeah. how do you take out art out of institutions? And then yeah. Absolutely, and I think it's also, it's not just sort of work, well, it is work that's been looted, but in a slightly different context, where if you look at a lot of the content, uh, the content of the British Museum, mm. and, the, and claims on that being returned to, to the country of provenance, I think mm. is really interesting, and I think yeah, it's an uncomfortable position that some institutions can be in because if my blockbuster show is pieces from another place and people want it back, yeah, yeah. the, the sort of challenge of that I think is really interesting. But I think I'm pleased to hear that, well, I'm not pleased to hear that the work has gone back to the wrong people, but that that work is still being under... It's all still under this blood of quite a lot of scrutiny, right? Yeah. It's really hard. I don't envy these guys. Yeah, that sounds like a really stressful day in the office. <laughs> Great, well, thanks for listening, everyone. That's the penultimate episode oh, of yeah, the Artcast the this series. Episode. So we're, this series is six episodes long, and we've only got one more, guys. So go and see Clinton Sheila. It's on until the 3rd of February, so you've got plenty of time. And also let us know what you think of, I don't know, the female representation or how it intersects with Freud or any of the, anything we've discussed, all of the above. You can email us Who at... you'd be painted by. Yeah, <laughs> you can email us at helloartcast at gmail.com or you can chat to us on Instagram. Which we, a couple of you have been doing already, like commenting on our posts, which is great. Yeah, it's fantastic. We'd love to hear from everybody, so please get in touch. And that's at the Artcast. On Instagram. On Instagram. Perfect. In the next episode, we'll be talking about modern couples at Barbican. So that should be a good one. Stay tuned. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.